Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now new customers, when you sign up using promo code DNVR, you're going to go ahead and allow yourself to make a $5 bet because when that bad boy hits, you get $200 in free bets instantly thanks to that promo code DNVR. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today on the DNVR Rockies podcast are two well-esteemed baseball men who have a good Rockies podcast of their own, the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We've got Manny Randawa from MLB.com. Uh, is this a busy time of year for you right now, Manny? Yeah, sure. I mean, they we 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 are uh, we're always they always keep us busy. You know, um, writing stories about uh, preview stories, especially about this time of year, and even in the off season hot stove. And then in between, we kind of do uh, historical lookbacks and things like that. So. Yeah, I heard. I also heard a rumor too that pitchers and catchers have reported for the Rockies today. So I'm thinking yes. uh, MLB.com might be uh, might be a good site to worth checking out. Besides the DNVR.com as well, uh, and we also have you know a pitching specialist here on the day that pitchers and catchers report uh-huh. uh, the first ever Colorado-born Colorado Rocky, Mr. Mark Knutson. How you doing today, Mark? I'm well. I wish I was reporting today in Arizona <laughs> with all this cruddy snow out here. I'd I'd like to be in Arizona right now. Yeah, I think I think even if we were reporting with uh, a shovel and a rake and a lawnmower, we would all be pretty yeah, happy. Yeah, anything like that. For yeah. sure. No I, question. Just get out of this. All right, we got to talk about some of the new rules uh, that MLB has has implemented <laughs> here for this season. About six, six new rules all at once. Some of them easier to deal and adjust with than others. We'll break those down. Talk about some of the pitching battles that are going on in camp right now at Salt River Fields for the Colorado Rockies and 
Uh, if we've got any time after that, beyond our two and a half hour conversation, you know, maybe we'll talk world baseball <laughs> classic, but uh, new rules, man. Uh, it's, it's a lot to deal with, but uh, I think it's, it's exciting in, in general, are you guys kind of hopeful that uh, not only will players be able to uh, adjust to this, but it will just create a better product overall forgetting, forgetting about all the griping that players and managers might make. Will we have a better product this year because of many of these new rules? Um, you go first. I, okay. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, you know, that I think the jury's going to be out on that for a little while. Um, if I had to guess, I think it will make a difference. Uh, some rules more than others. I think the shift rule probably is the most, uh, going to be the most impactful. Um, just because, you know, a, you know, a base hit up the middle is going to start being a base hit, a hit up the middle. There's the Ted Williams shift is going to go away. Um, so you're going to have guys who, you know, like Charlie Blackman, for example, and there's there are a lot of guys around the league who oftentimes hit into that shift who are going to be very happy. They don't have to necessarily hit it over, you know, that that uh, shift to get it into the outfield. So I think that's probably going to have the biggest impact. I don't know that the bases are going to have a big impact. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that one works out. Um, I'm curious to hear what Mark has to say about the box stuff, you know, because um, that is, you know, he, he was you know, he's talked to he's talked to me and others about uh, I think it was 19, maybe 87 or something like that when the box were going. They were calling box mm -hmm. all over the place. And so I'd be interested mm -hmm. to hear yep. how that's going to how that's going to make the pitchers feel. Well, the, the in that seven, <clears throat> the box rule was put in place where a pitcher had to come to a complete stop before he could go to the plate. A lot of guys like to cut and he still do. But you, a lot of guys would come and just pause and go now. By definition, a change of direction is a stop, but they weren't calling it that way. They were making this pause for a full count or whatever. And I just remember I had a shortstop named Edgar Diaz, who was uh, a really good player, but he would come up after every single pitch, He'd walk towards the mound and say, remember to stop, make sure you stop, make sure. You... I mean, I, he was told to do that, obviously, but that's what we were living through. And it was really annoying. And some umpires would call it differently than others. Now we're going <clears> to, <throat> I think the new rule change is not as much about interpretation for the umpires, which obviously is a good thing, but just there's, there's things about it that I, I don't know how they're going to enforce this. For instance, I brought this up on one of our podcasts, Manny. Um, you can only pick the first twice. Well, does that mean, right. and you have a pitch clock. Does that mean you can't step off the back of the rubber and bluff? That's a good uh, question. Does that mean, no, you know, I don't know. I mean, we're taught we we're to disrupt yeah. the timing. We're taught, we're taught, you know, you can't deceive the runner, blah, blah, blah. But you got to disrupt his timing or he's going to take off. So sometimes you're going to pause longer and sometimes you're going to go quicker. But the, the step off and bluff is a, is a weapon, especially if you can only throw over there twice. So how are they going to interpret that? Are they going to say, well, if you step off and bluff, that counts as a throw? I don't know. So I think I'm more curious than anything else to see how this is enforced and what parts of this they hadn't planned for that may come into play as the season unfolds. Yeah, we'll break that down here uh, in just a second. But I, I'm beginning to think that uh, we do need to, and maybe the three of us can do it, uh, develop something called E-War, which is Edgar Diaz wins above replacement. Those little things that contribute to reduction in box and those th yes. the things that you can't really count. So E-War, let's, let's kind of workshop some of these things here. E-War. Uh, you, you guys have a stats person in there, don't you? That, 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 that handles all that kind of stuff you're, in you're analytics and things like that. You're so take a look at that, man. Manny does yeah, it for the, us. So Manny, Manny, this is your deal. You get to Which is to say I don't do anything. <laughs> okay. The, uh, we just use we just use what's out there currently. 
we haven't uh, come up with anything new we haven't actually invented new uh new stuff you know we still haven't had a podcast on um kill the wind so that one uh that one's going to be interesting we're not ever going away it's It's silly it's never going to happen when you get goose when you get goose when you get goose gossage we'll we'll do it well that that there has to be multiple film crews because you know we got to get all different (laughs) angles when you punch we need to have evidence of who 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 committed the homicide that's where that works on, uh, on Monday, the Joint Competition Committee uh, broke down two new rules that uh, one more probably more interesting than other. Position players uh, are it's drastically going to be eliminated. Uh, now you have to be winning by 10 or more runs in the ninth or uh, trailing by eight or more runs in the ninth. Extra innings are fine, but I don't think we're ever going to see uh, a position player in extra no. innings. I mean, the, again, the other team would have to score eight to 10 runs. Uh, previously, the rule well, was I, limited. I Throw one thing in there though, Pat. In this day and age, with the multiple with the use of relief pitchers, it's possible for a guy to burn through his entire bullpen in nine innings, right? It, it's possible sure. if you've got somebody who could actually pitch a little bit, he might be your last guy you got in the twelfth inning. Well, yeah, so, but I think that's part of I think that's that? part of the 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 hoped for consequence of this mm-hmm. is that. You just won't. You just you'll have to think about that, right? During those nine innings, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to think. Am I gonna burn this guy now? Um, am I gonna, you know, yeah. here's one. It's gonna, it's it's gonna, it's gonna make it so that they're not gonna ha- be able to march as many guys out there, as as they have, you know, which is gonna make the product better because then you don't have, um, you don't you don't use, uh, you know, six pitchers in nine innings anymore. And so I think that's part all, of the all eyes on all eyes on Bruce Bochy in Texas, right? Oh man, you know I'm going to be so interesting, interested to see what, how Boach handles all this stuff because that was such a big part of his his managing style, and that's really mm-hmm. what a big part of what won the Giants those World Series in 10, 12, and 14. They didn't have any well Madison Bumgarner in 14, so 10 and 12 really they didn't have any business being in those World Series any of them, and yet uh, the way he managed that pitching staff. So you wonder if that would happen today, again. So it'll be interesting to watch him. Yep. Um, as long as Degrom can stay healthy, I think he's he's already hurt. So, yeah, that no, no surprise there. Uh, five years ago, thirty there were only thirty two instances of a position player pitching, which that all seems like a large number compared to the baseball that we've seen growing up. But five years ago, it was thirty two. This last year, one hundred thirty two. So we'll see a lot less of that, and that's fine. Uh, but the extra inning rules was the big thing uh, on Monday that will officially be back. The runner on second base in the tenth inning. To me. This rule is totally fine. I don't. I guess I understand why people are upset anytime something that they love changes. Um, it's still the game of baseball. The strategy changes, but I, I'm very much okay with this and um, and and saving guys, saving arms. Because in the situation we're talking about extra innings and you've run out of pitchers, well, at, at least it, the end will come a lot quicker uh, and will d- reduce the, the likelihood of of somebody getting hurt. I, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on 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 that extra inning rule with the runner? I made on? my main. Made my, I think that, that I it's going to be. I made my debut against the Philadelphia Phillies in the Astrodome the night. Go, go ahead, Mark. Oh, let me finish, Manny. I made my major league debut. The we played the, the Montreal Expos a nineteen inning game the night before. It was me and one one reliever weren't were used up the day, next day, and I had to go out there and take one for the team. I gave up seven runs in seven innings. Um, and to me, I'm okay with that. I really am. I'm, I mean, I, saving arms is one thing. If we want to save arms, we do something about the way kids are trained nowadays. We're pitching, you know, hundred innings in the summer when they're 12 years old. 
that's where we save arms. We save arms before they get to professional baseball because that's where we have so much of a problem with arm injuries. And, and at the high school level, we deal with 15-year-olds getting – 15-year-olds is the medium age for Tommy John surgery. And that's a really sad, sad point. I think we save arms there. But in the future, I go back to this. If it's not, don't fix it. And I don't think it was broke. So I think there's a little bit of overregulation going on in baseball right now with some of these changes. Are they, are they huge? Are they monumental? Probably not. But they're just kind of, I mean, the, the runner on second base, start X readings, is, is silly. It's not real baseball. It, it's silly. I don't like it at all. And I don't think it's indicative of who, who deserves to win the baseball game. Uh, it is what it is. Everybody's got to deal with it. It's, it's, it's even-handed, but I, I'm not a fan. Manny, let me give you some numbers on this real quick, and then we'll get your take. Um, in 2019, first year, uh, or rather the last year before this rule went into place, before the pandemic, there were 37 games that went 13 innings or more, eight games that went 15. This past season, only 11 games went 13 innings or more, and none were over 15. So we've baseball sort of figured out that problem for extending these games out that go on five, six hours that are somewhat unnecessary. Well, first of all, I think it's kind of, it's kind of um, it's kind of the inverse of the last thing that we talked about regarding saving arms, where it's like now that you can't throw position players until extra innings, you're going to have to really consider how you use your available arms in those first nine innings. Well, this is the opposite of that. This is actually dis disincentivizing that because now in the tenth inning, or well, now you're like we're not going to probably go too too long because we have that extra runner at second base we can front load it and we can have more of our guys go earlier in a tight game. If you had it tra the traditional way, real baseball, I agree with Mark. Um, then you would have to think about that. You have taken into account. Well, it's like, it's, it's four, four, it's the eighth, it's the eighth. What if we go extras? I can't use this guy. I can't do that. And that would be more in line with the other rule about the position players. Um, and it would incentivize not trotting out guy after guy after guy in the first nine innings. Secondly, it's not real baseball. It's it's we have we have when you when you get to the point where you actually create a fake runner, a ghost runner, and you there's no stat in the book to say how he got there. To me, that's crossed the line to it's not it's not the game anymore. It's not the original game anymore. I'm good with the position players rule, um, and I'm good with the shift rule. Um, rules change to make the game um continue on to be a great game and i this one i gotta say i think is is go, going the other direction we know why pat likes it though deadlines are deadlines <laughs> right you gotta you gotta <laughs> and nobody well, wants to sit in that press box for nobody wants to sit in that know, press well, box for four hours i'm, I'm with you on hey, that. i'm in there totally too man that. but i'd rather I, I, a game a game once in a while going 15 is going to happen but that's that was it's one of the great things about this game uh compared with all other sports is that there is no clock this is a this is a game that can go two hours and 10 minutes or it can go five hours and 17 minutes and both can be equally entertaining given if the if, if there's enough eventful if, if it's eventful if things are happening i remember asking rob manford about this years ago and he said um it's not he wanted to make it very clear and it's a good point he said it's not time of game that i'm concerned about it's pace of game what's happening are are there too many dead there's too much dead time in the in between and so if you have a game the greatest game I've ever seen is with my own eyes in real time is um, game six of the 2011 World Series when David Freeze hit the game tying triple with two outs in the ninth and then won the game in the 11th. 
a team down to their last strike twice, a team that's never won the World Series one strike away twice. That thing went, you know, 11 innings. It was a long game. And I, 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 I was left wanting more because it was so exciting. So that's the issue, not so much the time. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in there too in, 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 in the press box writing and everything. But, you know, I, I love the facet of the game where it's you just don't know rather than, okay, let's go and pretend a guy got a single and then stole second base or hit a double to start it or walked and then moved up. And we'll just get this thing over with. I just, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that memory that you have is the fact that it was the World Series, the fact that it it was the postseason. When it's the regular season, it, it, it lacks that sex. Well, I, I mean, think it depends. I think it depends on it depends on when in the regular season. I think it depends on what's on the line. I think it depends on you know if it's if it's April tenth, fine. But I mean, I can I can see your point there. But if it's September nineteenth and you're in a pennant race and you you need this win to stay in it, um, and your team guts it out over seventeen innings, I mean, it's one of the things you you never forget. Mark, do you uh, do you have fond memories of a 16-inning game that you played in against the Angels on July 6, 1990? And if so, what was the result of that game? I have no idea. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I do remember a, a game in Chicago against the White Sox that I pitched pretty well in, but we tied ended up going along a long extra inning game. And it caused me to – part of the reason I had to miss seeing Paul McCartney at Soldier Field that, that evening. So that that link to that game bothered me for that reason, but I'm with Manny. I I, I don't like the ghost runner rule at all. Um, I think it cheapens the outcome. Um, you know, you play the game a certain way. Now, having said that, I'll I'll play hypocrite here. I love college football's overtime rule. Same, same thing, really, if you think about it. Um, and I love that part of it. So maybe I'm being a hypocrite a little bit. Well, college that. football. I mean, college football has a clock to start with. Not um, not an overtime. So that, they don't. Not, not right, overtime. right, right, right. I know. Not an overtime. Right. So the know, overtime but... rule is different. <clears throat> Go ahead. So I, I guess I'm, you know, I'll have to, I guess I want my cake and eat it too. And Manny, well, you, you, have to, you, this, have though, modify, you have to modify your argument just a little bit because we do have clocks in baseball now. Well, let's get to that here in, in, uh, in a yeah, second. Um, yeah. Let me say this about what Mark said yeah. real quick. And that is that it cheapens the outcome in a, in a game in a What if you have a tremendous game? A pitching duel it's three it's uh one to one or it's you know no score going into the you know the 10th inning and then you stick a runner on second i mean is that how you want this thing decided after all of that um uh, you know if after all of that there's a guy on second a ground out to the right side he goes to third sacrifice fly comes in bottom of the ninth another blank and that's the game after all of that to have that be yep. what determines it i think is is a big deal yeah, agree. yeah, it's 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 a big deal that uh, we get you guys down at some point this season down on the corner of Colfax, New York at the DNVR bar uh, because we've got some some wonderful things going on for all of our diehards like fifteen percent off your tab, food, drink, you name it, twenty percent off all the gear that we're uh, we're selling down at the bar as well as stuff that you can get online at dnvrlocker.com, twenty percent off all the party buses, watch parties, you name it. It's great for the diehards and access to the diehards only Discord where we're having some fun little side conversations that don't particularly have to do with sports. Uh, it's just a fun way to meet other folks in our community. That's all through the DNVR.com and through Breck Brew. They've got an amazing giveaway going on right now. It's their game day experience. Uh, we've teamed up with them. March 9th is the first big one uh, coming up. LA Kings. The Avs giveaway includes two tickets 
Row 5, Section 102. Seriously, uh, you also get access to the Lexus Club parking pass, some DNVR swag, and then the Nuggets giveaway is coming on Thursday, March 30th against the Pelicans. Two tickets, courtside row two. Seriously, also comes with the Lexus Club access, parking pass, and DNVR gear. All you got to do is head over to the dnvr.com slash Breck sweeps, like sweepstakes, dnvr.com slash Breck sweeps. Complete the form to enter. It's that easy. Must be 21 or older. Link in the show description. Winners will be selected one week before each game. And football season is dead. All hail baseball season. Here we go. <laughs> New customers, you use promo code DNVR. You bet $5. And when that bad boy <laughs> hits for you, you win. You get $200 in bonus bets Instantly, it's fantastic. You got college baseball over there uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook as we speak. You can pick the end of the year award winners if you want to just pick who's going to win the NL West. You want to pick who's going to win the American League or the World Series. Even bigger odds for all of those things. It's fantastic. And it's one of those bets where you've got a couple months to wait and see if it hits. It's not just an immediate thing where, ah, I lost or I won. It's kind of fun. It allows you to feel a lot more invested all throughout the baseball season. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR. New customers, you get $200 in free bets with a $5 bet that wins. It's that simple. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook and only with code DNVR. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, uh, we started talking about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. No shift. That's really the biggest thing that, you know, I, I don't know that it is the biggest thing in general. Cause I think when a lot of fans go to the ballpark, maybe fans that aren't hardcore, they're, they're sports fans. They're going to Coors Field. Uh, they're not diehard Rockies fans. They're not really diehard baseball fans. When they go and sit and watch the game, I don't think they're going to really notice that there's any new rules because it's still going to look like baseball. But to the to the more of a trained eye, you might notice, hey, wait a minute, why uh, when Charlie Blackman's at the plate, why isn't the third baseman moving over to right field? You are no longer able to do that. the uh, The shift has been banned. However, what has not been banned and what is legal, uh, this was discussed with all thirty teams in, in December and January's January. Most teams uh, asked this: Can you just have two outfielders? Can I move the left fielder over behind the second baseman when Charlie Blackman is up at the plate? The answer is yes, that is legal. Do you think we're going to see a lot of, you know, two outfield uh, situations out there where the left fielder comes in snug behind the second base where that used to be where the third baseman was shifted? Do you think this is going to be the workaround for baseball or will it just be everyone stand where you're supposed to stand like it's been for 150 years? I think it's everybody stand where you're supposed to stand for the most part. I think you might have a few cases where, um, they experiment with what you just talked about with having that third outfielder go in and take the place of what would have been second baseman in shallow right. But um, I think that'll be more the uh, exception than the rule. I, th I don't think it's going to, I think it's just, it, it, it's a different animal to leave. Uh, it's one thing to leave the right side of the infield open. It's another thing to leave the entire outfield um, open. That's an inside the park home run. If you can somehow, and you know, honestly, Mark would be very happy if they started doing that because then guys would actually start trying to hit the ball. I think then that would really incentivize guys trying to hit the ball the other way, because you know what, I, I, now we're not talking about a single, we're talking about a triple, right. you know, so, uh, or at least, you know, if not more. So I think, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's well, going to be put this, uh, often. Let's put this caveat on it. Whatever the analytics say you should do is what they're going to do. 
right? That we, we've become slaves to that. So if the analytics say, yeah, that's the right thing to do, we'll do it. But <clears throat> if Charlie Blackman comes up against a typical, the old fashioned shift, yes, you're right, man. He could bunt, bunt for a single. Mayor, sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he just try to hit it through the shift. But if there's nobody playing left field, you you know, you know for sure he's going to try to hit the ball hot left field, and he can't. He's proven that. So, yeah, I think teams will be hesitant to do that against almost – maybe Joey Gallo, they'd still do it. But they're going to be – anybody who can hit the ball the other way a little bit, they'll be hesitant to do something like that. Could you see the extreme outfield shifts where the left fielder's in left center and, and then and all that? Maybe. Right field's playing more shallow against some guys? Maybe. But uh, you're right. They hadn't addressed the outfield – the idea of an outfield shift. So whatever the analytics say, they should do it. I think that's why, because I don't think they foresee it either. I yeah, mean, I, I'm sure right. somebody thought about that, and and they thought, you know what, let's not restrict <laughs> the outfielders. That's that's going a little too far. We're probably not going to see a lot of these kinds of weird shifts now, like moving to the outfield because we can't do them in the right. infield. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be the exception to the rule. It'll, there'll be those players, Gallo, just other guys who just now extreme pull guys, like exactly. guys who right. pulled up all 52 percent of the time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah how, that was, you know, part of our headline here on the DNVR Sports Channel on YouTube is players whose batting averages are, are going to rise. The top three guys who were shifted the most last year, all left-handed hitters, Corey Seager, Kyle Schwarber, and Shohei Otani. You know, there's a lot of different projection systems showing, you know, how much batting averages are going to rise, particularly for left-handed hitters. Mike Trout was was shifted a lot still, even as a right-handed hitter. So, hmm. you know, that, that still went on. That still exists. But... Do you have a do you have a number a set number in your head we might see batting averages go up by since the second baseman needs to stay on on the right side of of the second base bag the shortstop needs to be on the left side of the second base bag and we're not going to be stealing those hits that have long been hits just right between first base and second base or up the middle those are going to be hits is it going to be as much as as 10 points 15 points I don't That's think it's going to go I don't yeah I don't think it's going to go that far um, certain guys like Otani, you might see five or seven points, I think. And, um, but again, it's going to be those guys that really pull the ball a lot. And Otani's a good example of that. Uh, I know another guy who, um, I picked, uh, we, we recently did a breakout who's a breakout hitter candidate for, for this next season. And, um, and I, my pick was Dalton Varsho because he's a 50, 51% pull guy. Um, he had 27, he had 11 homers, home runs in the last 38 games of last season for the Diamondbacks, but he's an extreme pull guy. So he could see a pretty good bump. Um, but I think for the most part, again, this is, these are, this is a specific subset of hitters. So I don't think it's going to make a huge difference for the most part. But we'll see. We keep talking about ground ball up the middle being a base hit, but there's nothing against putting the shortstop one step to the left of the second base bag, right? Yeah. Right on the edge of the outfield yeah. grass. That ball it might will still, still be though, but out. still, it's it's going to increase. I mean, if you hit the ball hard enough, it's going right. to increase those balls right. up the middle because right because you can't literally have three guys on can't side, position them on the grass on the outfield grass right. directly behind. I think that's the bigger second. deal right there that they can't play on the grass. I think because you, how many times did we see Ryan McMahon or Charlie Blackman ground out to right field in the last couple of years? Yeah. Right. I mean, those guys are playing way deep into the grass. I think that's a bigger deal than than where they are on the infield, but. Either way, yeah, you're going to see a bump in batting averages. A, a, a tremendous bump? Eh, I don't know. Again, it depends what the analytics say, but um, I would I would guess Manny's right around the right number, 7 8, 8%, something like that. But um, other parts of the game will be affected too, you know, how, how extra base hits and stuff like that. Will guys still try to go the other way to bunt for a base hit, stuff like that? So I, I think th it's not just about batting averages. other parts of it that will come into play as well. Yeah. 
the uh, the two pickoff attempt business is is one that obviously close to your heart there, Mark, having yes. to deal with that. They define a pickoff attempt as a disengagement. So basically, if you step off the mound mm. to to get your composure, that's considered a disengagement. So that's 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 where our thumbnail comes from. Balk this right. way because if you throw over twice, and then you know you got a big pitch coming up uh, against the hitter full count, and you want to get your composure and you step off to catch your breath so you can get on the same page with your catcher, you just balked. That guy's going from first yep. to second base because that is a third disengagement. And that's going to be tricky for guys to <clears throat> deal with because all they want to do is catch their breath. All they want to yes. do is wipe some sweat from their brow, and they cannot. I mean, they can, but there is a penalty for that, and that would be considered a balk now. I, I think – I didn't like to throw to first. There's a lot of times I didn't throw to first at all. So I, I never liked that. Too many – you're hardly ever, ever, ever going to pick somebody off, and you're more likely going to throw the ball away. So and I yeah. I teach my high school pitchers the same thing. Let's not overdo the throws to first because something bad is probably going to happen. But the stepping off and the disrupting timing is important. I I won't be surprised. There's a lot of pitching coaches that tell their pitchers, let's not even throw over there because the threat is more important than than the actual throw. Right? The idea that you might throw over keeps the guy close. If he knows you're not throwing over, he's leaning off halfway to second base. Right? I think if, if you're if pitching, I think if you're a pitching right? coach, you have to initially say. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you know what? If they're going to, if they start running on us, then we'll, we'll, we'll right. adjust. But are we really, I mean, I talked to Tim Raines about this when he was here in Greeley. And he said, I don't think the, the, I don't think the, the bases or the, the rule changes regarding um, that, that might open up the um, teams to steal more is going to really do much um, again, because analytics. And the question right. is, do you come, does this, significantly alter the the numbers in turn but you need a sample you, you know that's the other thing too is yeah. you need a sample you can't just guess right so somebody's going to give it a shot and somebody's going to have to try it and then we're either going to see a big i think a big jump or we're going to either see almost no change i don't think there's going to be much you know at, at first you got to try it you got to experiment how many runners are going to get on first base Take their lead, get have a couple pickoffs, and not realize at that point after the guy threw over twice, he can't throw over here anymore. I'm off to the races. I it's going to take some. Now. It's going to take go some getting used to. It's going to take some getting yep. used to, and also the whole not being able to step off and and wipe your brow. That one's a big one, I yep. think, because like, as Patrick that's mentioned, why I would say if you, that's one. Of, that's pitchers. one of those where it's like you you just forget. I mean, why you've been doing this thing yep. your whole life, and and especially the veterans um, in the major leagues, they've been doing this for their their entire career. Guys who have been in the league seven eight years. And suddenly you can't even step off uh, the mound yeah. once you've gone onto the mound. That's going to take some getting used to. And I think that we might have some flustered, especially veterans, some flustered veterans. No question. And that's why I think most of them won't even throw over once because you you, yeah. you want to keep that ability to step off and wipe your brow. You've got to have that. you got to keep that in your pocket. And if you waste it on the throw to first, it's not going to do a lot anyway. I, you know, I don't see them doing yeah. it. I just don't. And, and if runners get too bold. And they start taking two big leads. They'll get the one throw over. Maybe pick. Maybe pickups will actually go up. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. That's that's. And with the pitch clock again, you can't just yeah. sit there and go. Oh, I'll wait for that bead of sweat to just come down. That you right. know, at the bottom of my face and just drop off. Right. No, could see an increase in back picks with guys not now are clearly going to have yes. larger secondary leads. So yeah, you know, there point. could be a rise. Now, I think ultimately what we can probably all agree on is is you're right. The the pitching plan is going to very much be 
uh, the yeah. Lester plan. It's me, the, the John yeah. Lester strategy. We're, <laughs> we're building right. a generation of John Lester's who will just never right. throw over to first base. Um, yep. Looking at a couple of the bulk numbers, I think that you might be uh, interested in uh, with the bulk rate, you know, going up uh, and looking at it, what it was like in the minors going from 2021 to 2022 when they implemented so much of this. There was a rise. Now, uh, the most balks in a season for the, any Rockies team was 22 in 1993. Manny, the question for you is, how many of those did Mark Knutson contribute <laughs> of the 22 in 1993 by the Rockies? Oh, man. I'm going to say I'm going to say one. You are over by far too many. Mr. Knutson contributed zero, and he really? never balked in his career. Not you never once. balked in your entire career. That's I don't well think I, I don't remember getting called for a balk in the big leagues. You did not. Um, no, I don't remember getting. Certainly not a, not something that was in a critical moment. If it if it happened at all, I don't remember getting called for balk. Again, I didn't throw to first very often. Didn't like to. And the funny thing is, and I've told you this before, Manny, the way the big game is played in Latin America, they throw to first a ton. They just, I mean, think about Armando Reynoso. Oh, good. I mean, there was almost as many throws to first the worst pitches in the inning. Um, and it's just part of the way they play the game. And maybe it's because there's more base stealing. I don't know. But though I think those guys, like you mentioned, the veterans certain of all, certainly, but the kids who came up from, from Latin American leagues who have to get adjusted to a different way the game is played here without a ton of throws to first, it's, it's going to take some adjustment. Um, you have to be diligent. You have to be thoughtful while you're out there. You have to take your time and you have to make sure, hey, I come to a complete stop. I, I step where I'm going to throw. You know, you don't do silly things that cost your team a base because when you gave up as many hits as I did, a free base was almost a run. So you couldn't do that. You had to make sure that they had took them three hits to get a run. That was my goal. They had to get. It's three really hits. great that Mark is a good sport about about us. Uh, you know, as, as self-deprecating as he is, he's a good sport when we give him a hard time um, about these. So especially, you know, the man who get who who had the first hit off of him. I mean, come on, Big he's a hall of famer. He he went. You just knew when he tripled to start to to, to get his first hit in his, his major league career off Mark Knutson. You knew he was going to be a Hall of Famer. You have Mark Knutson. You haven't mentioned knew his he name. was. He knew he Big was hurt. going to a lot more home runs because that tired him out. So I think that was a that's nice right. little rope. He only had that's Frank Thomas, and he only had I think eleven more triples in his tired in his entire career. That's it. It's funny, Mark, that you brought up the name Armando Reynoso because uh, he does have the franchise record for most balks uh, by a player in Rockies history. So 11. Uh, he balked six times in that 93 season. Mm -hmm. So your memory is right there. Uh, Senzatella is uh, the last Rocky to balk twice in a game. He's balked six times in his career. We'll kind of wait and see what happens. Uh, Bud Black did, uh, did let uh, media know this morning that He's still due to come back in May at some point. So we'll kind of wait and see what happens with him, uh, how many starts he gets. But could that record fall You know, this year? Could he Could he balk five times? We'll kind of wait and see with this. You know what? He, again, he, he's going to have to make an adjustment in the way he's played, in the way he uh, looks at a baseball game, just looks at the whole world. It's a different game. I can't throw to first all the time anymore. I have to be find a different way to hold runners close. Maybe it's quicker to the plate, whatever. I've got to, I've got to adjust the way I play the game because the rules have changed. The active player with the most box. Anyone have a guess? Well, Clay Clayton Kershaw's on your promo. Is that the is that the answer? This guy. Yeah, you go, right. Clayton Kershaw, twenty-two. So we'll see if he can extend well his done, lead. Mark. That's it. Well, I got some help there from the graphic department, but yes, you pay uh, attention. Left That's left-handers it. are going to attention to more box. 
Left-handers balk when they throw to first anyway, most of them, because they step past the 45 degrees they're supposed to. And it's and if they keep walking, it's hard for umpires to see the angle and get it right. So um, they, they're kind of brought up and taught that way. And, they're and Kershaw, I mean, Kershaw does the whole thing. Yep. I mean, he comes way yep. up here. There's just more mm-hmm. opportunity for a balk to happen, I feel like, with him. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely. supposed to, uh, by, by definition, the balk is an attempt to deceive the runner, and left handers do nothing but try to deceive runners. So it, it's inherent in what they have to deal with. Sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing deceitful about pins and aces because they're officially our golf partner uh, of DNVR. They're they're amazing. It's a Colorado company. You love that it's family owned, so it's local. It's great to make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, uh, even your favorite beer sleeve. Uh, Marker, are you are you a golfer or did you, did you oh, put yeah. those days behind? You? So you no, got to get I a beer try. sleeve, seltzer I sleeve. Try. You just you leave it in your bag, and boom, you've got like six or wow. seven there. For the entire 18 rounds. It's fantastic. In fact, tell them I sent you uh, just by, okay. by typing in DNVR uh, when you check out and boom, right there, you're going to get 10% off. Excuse me. You can get 15% off because you know me, Mark. 15% off your wow. for, first order and free shipping with pinsandaces.com. You say Patrick Lyons, it opens doors. I'm telling you. It does. It's fantastic it in that way. Yes. Uh, Bacchus and Shanker. That's that's a door you definitely want to open up, uh, especially to help you out. If you've been hurt, they're there to help. Uh, they win for Colorado families, bottom in line. That's what Bacchus and Shanker does. They help those who've been seriously injured in Colorado. They've been doing it for 25 years. They've got more than 30 lawyers on uh, on hand, 100 in their staff. And the best part is they're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak of even just to talk to them about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win for you. It's fantastic the way they go about their business. They've won over a million, excuse me, a billion. How about that? It's a hundred times more than you would have even guessed for their clients. It's fantastic. And they help with uh, injuries in all kinds of cases, whether it's a car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrian trucks. Uh, They can even help if you've been injured at work. Call them at Tulo, 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 Tulo. That's two 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 two. Or if you prefer, Daza 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 Daza. I think I think most people to this point would prefer Tulo. I'm just guessing. Still, still, sure. Okay, Tulo wins. Jonathan Daza wins. But more importantly, Bacchus and Schenker, they win as well. All right, last uh, um, new rule change to kind of talk about is the larger bases. It kind of this couples with the pickoff move. Should we see a spike in stolen bases? I really don't think so. And, you know, the, the bottom line is, again, you, you don't want to make an out on the bases. So you're going to get good secondary leads. I think we'll see better base running. We'll, we'll see guys scoring from first base, maybe on a single a little bit more uh, than, than normal. But one of the things I discussed with so many of the Rockies players last year when, what, they had three stolen bases through like the first two <laughs> months of the year, something absurd yeah. like that. So many of them mentioned this and all around the game as well, too. But the injury factor sliding in the second base, you know, even if it's uncontested, you know, you could jam your finger. Um, even if you're just like sliding, do something with your hip. So there's the risk reward. There isn't entirely balanced. So uh, Mark thinks, you know, those, those close plays at second base will get reduced. And I think so same thing at first base. I think for every, uh, every three hits that the shift is going to bring about for left-handed hitters. Um, maybe one of those, you lose on a bang bang play over at first base because now with the bags a little bit bigger, right? The first baseman's a little bit closer to the center of the diamond. Again, not by a ton, but that's going to favor the defense just a little bit. Do you think the larger bases are going to really have any more of a major impact other than just for the safety side of things? I don't. I don't think so uh, initially. But what I'm curious to see is if somebody 
um, in the analytics department goes back several years, over several years, and figures out how many bang bang plays at second base they could pull out as a percentage of total um, steal attempts in terms of the outcome, and then say, all right, here the bases are that much bigger. Um, let's see if we can let's see if we can figure out a formula here. Um, so that's what I'm curious about. At first, I don't think so, but again, there has to at some point somebody's going to have to give all of these, you know, put all these new rules to the test, and because uh, you don't have a sample until you do, and then after that. Um, I think it's going to be a lot clearer. I mean, it will be a lot clearer um, this time next year when we're talking about this, you know, how it went in the first year with the rule changes, um, because it just it's going to we're going to see uh, if, if, if if enough people put this to the test, we're going to see um, the results. It's that's going to be a small sample, but you got to start somewhere. I don't know if you guys know this, but Abner Doubleday says he didn't invent baseball. There's a significant study. If you look into it, Abner Doubleday did not invent baseball. So whoever did, if it wasn't Abner, Abner Doubleday, they had it right in the first place because of those bang-bang plays you're talking about, because the, I mean, the the beauty of great defensive plays and quick plays. This was, the in my book, the textbook, textbook definition of a solution that didn't have a problem. Um, ba the bases were just fine the way they were. I, I, I think this is silly. I saw a picture on Twitter today. I don't know if it was real. But it looked like no, it wasn't. It was enormous difference. That was you saw the same picture. That was some were real, some were not. I'm yes. telling you, so I'm telling you, the one you're talking about was not real. Yeah. Okay, thank that, you. Was a, that was that a, was that was a joke. Oh, yeah. Good, because that was ridiculous. I, I mean, what's it? Four and a half inches. We're talking about total be, the closeness between the bases. It's just to me, I, I think it's infinitesimal. I don't think it matters. It it didn't. And the players complain about safety first. If slide feet first, you don't jam your fingers. You know, I mean. I, where there's where there's an edge to be had, I think there will be a formula created, and you eventually might be right that, that. that will happen. You, you and probably the, the question right will end that. up being: it's always a question of what are the odds this guy moves him along yeah. at the plate, or or yeah. you know, versus the odds of him stealing that bag. And the odds change a little bit, a little bit. They're going to have to figure out how much. But keep this in mind: we talk the shift plays into this as well, or lack of a shift, because as I mentioned before, yeah. it take typically it takes three hits to score a run, but. And it's easier to get three hits now against with the, with the shift not being there, right? It's easier for a left hand here to pull the ball through the hole and do a hit and run play and advance a runner or do things like that. So your odds of getting two base hits in an inning to score a runner are a lot better than getting three base hits in an inning. So getting a guy to second base is valuable. And I'm not sure why analytics doesn't reward that. But I, your Manny's right. They're, they're going to come up with a formula. They're going to come up with a reason to, to justify this and say how to take advantage of it. But it's just to me, it, it was a, it was a, Solution that didn't have a problem, and it's a little bit of over overreach, in my opinion. The uh, the pitch clock for pitchers and hitters uh, in the minors it shaved off about twenty six minutes uh, from twenty one to twenty two. Their average length of game was two hours and thirty eight minutes. So we could be seeing twenty minutes knocked off the average length of the game. So again, more action, games getting over quicker. That's going to be a positive thing, I think. Possibly the biggest issue for the players right now with these new rules is the fact that. All of them have been implemented at once. Talking last yeah. year at yeah. the end of the season, the veteran guys, Daniel Bard, Charlie Blackman said, really, we got to do all of this at yeah. once. It's, it's going to be Very a lot point. to, to just to rather than, you know, even, even two or three rules each yep. year. Then by the end of 2024, 
that we've got things settled, but no, immediately we're jumping in with all of these things happening at once. And so I think that will be really the, the biggest challenge. Well, but at least they didn't try to throw the electronic strike zone into this mix too, because that's coming. And that's going to be the, in my opinion, the thing that shaves the most time off of a baseball game, because if you had hitters are going to hate the electronic strike zone because pitchers are going to learn how to nick that, that laser strike zone, whatever it is, and bounce a curveball and have it be a strike. Hitters are going to absolutely hate it. Hitters are going to take fewer pitches. They're going to so the number of pitches per at bat is the is the thing that lengthens the game. That's why the Yankees and Red Sox play those four hour games because guys, it's three and two on everybody. And yeah. we've all played slow pitch softball, which you can play seven innings in one hour because people go up in there and don't take pitches. They swing the bat. So when pit, when hitters are forced to swing, the game the time of game will go down, and the rest of this stuff, the rest of these speed up things will become unnecessary. And yep. that's just what's going to happen. And you're right, though, Patrick. It's a good thing they didn't try to implement that this year as well because that would have been too much. Far too much. Far too much. All right, let's talk about Colorado Rockies there in camp today. Mm-hmm. Spring training, day one, pitchers and catchers. We did get news that Bud Black had signed a one-year extension to remain the manager of the Rockies through 2024. We've It's been said you know, by numerous parties he can pretty much be the manager as long as he wants. Right. So. He's going to be around again for next year. Won't have to deal with those questions about, hey, uh, you lost five games in a row. What's going on with that? Uh, But there's plenty of good pitching battles uh, in camp. Maybe not the most important one, but certainly a fun one is the opening day starter. It's not necessarily a battle, uh, but it is an interesting thing to talk about between Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez. Both of them are, are pitching for their respective countries in U.S. and Venezuela. And whoever Bud Black chooses, that will be their third opening day start. And that will give them the most for any Rocky starting pitcher in the history of the franchise. Do you have uh, do you have a do you have a horse in this race who you think might get the nod? Do, do you think the spring training will have something to do with it? Well, spring training is going to be weird because they'll be pitching in different locations, uh, which is great for the Rockies, in my opinion, because the Rockies need to develop what they need to worry about is the back end of the rotation. They need to get that three, four, five thing in, in line, and now they get a, more of a chance to do that. More guys get to pitch in spring training. More guys get to start games. More guys get to be seen, stretched out. Uh, so that's nothing but an a- advantage to the Rockies. Um, obviously, the, the opening day star is going to come from one of those two guys, but and we'll all get to watch him. We'll get to see all these world classic games, and we'll get to see who, and I probably whoever's pitching the best, who's ever healthy, who's ever been stretched out the most, will get that call. And the other guy will be sliding to the number two spot, which really only matters for the first series, obviously. But it'll be fun to it'll be fun to watch that. But it'll be even more fun, in my opinion, to see who develops in that the rest of that rotation and who's able to fill the three, four, and five spots. Um, All things being equal, I think Marcus, um, and and I say that because I think he is still the ace of this staff. um, Stuff-wise, going going into the season. Um, He was not good at all for about a really, I mean, like a year and a half, like a season and a half worth of not good. Um, And that is, that was alarming. He got it together a little bit toward the end there last season. Um, but stuff wise, he's still the guy. And if they can figure out, um, you know, what 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 it, it is that he needs, where he has to be, whether it's mechanically or mentally or whatever, to make that stuff work for him. He's still the guy with the best. And I think you throw the, you throw out the best um, stuff at, when you go up there, uh, when you go out there. And now, again, if they get if one's feeling better than the other one, if one's pitching a little bit better. Uh, not a little bit better. I think one would have to pitch a lot better than the other to make a real difference at, at the top of the rotation to start two, the season. Two words. Ubaldo Jimenez. That is who Herman Marquez is right, reminding me of more and more every year. A guy with incredible electric stuff. The kind of stuff that if, if he's on, he's unhittable. 
it's just not there every time. And it's never going to be there every time. That's not fair to say. Well, it's, it's not there as much of the time as it used to be. More often than not, you want it there, right? More often than not, you want him to have that dominant stuff, and he just hasn't been that way. Um, Kyle Freeland doesn't have the same kind of stuff, but Kyle Freeland is tougher mentally, in my opinion, than, than Herman Marcus. So in a perfect world, Herman starts the opener and, and Kyle starts the home opener. That would well, be in, in a perfect, perfect world, in a, in a perfect world, Herman Freeland starts the home. The yeah, opener, there you go. Right? Yeah. You're right. Because the mental, you got the mental toughness yeah. and you got the stuff. I mean, you can't imagine yeah. putting those two guys together. That would be amazing. And they'd be, and they'd be uh, ambidextrous. <laughs> That's true. That's a lot to ask for. That's a lot to ask yeah, for. Too much. A little too much. Uh, in, in, in a Frankenstein type uh, monster on that. I think the first, uh, they start, they start on the road, obviously, in, uh, in San Diego. Um, but it is for, oh, it is for six games. So I was thinking that the opening day starter would also be the home opener, but, yeah. uh, not the case for that. Uh, as you brought up, Mark fourth and fifth starter spots are, are up for grabs. Freeland Marquez one and two interchange them. However you want Jose Urania. Who are you putting, in, be, are you putting in the third slot though, Patrick? That would be Jose Urania who signed a one year, $3 million deal. Uh, one of the comments that, that Dick Moffert made in, in Greeley was like, Hey, you know, we've got, we've got three horses that we can rely on. Maybe four. I think that fourth was Urania. The, the third was Senzatello, who, as we said, will be back in May. So Urania okay. will be in the third spot. Uh, you might not have thought that last year, but just with the way things are shaking out. We also found out uh, from Bud Black this morning, Ryan Rawlson, he's probably about a month off uh, from his shoulder surgery, still yet to make his major league debut. So uh, I thought he actually would have been a decent candidate as the long reliever on this staff. But number four and number five, the incumbents, essentially Ryan Feltner, and Austin Gomber, but there's some other names that are out there. Are they going to play it safe? Does Connor Siebold have a shot? He's got some MLB experience. He's really the only one other than Peter Lambert, as far as guys with MLB experience. Carl Kaufman's out there. Jeff Criswell, who they picked up this offseason. Noah Davis. And you've got those veteran options kind of lurking there. TJ Zoik, Josh Rogers, Logan Allen. Is it just going to come down to Feltner and, is, and is, Gomber pretty much? I, I would think so, but I, I also factor Brett Suter into that into that mix right he's is he's just strictly going to be only out of the bullpen or is he going to be yeah, somebody he that, will be yeah i think he probably, will be. i mean you have to look at every option right now you have to again with this way spring training set up with those two horses off to off somewhere else you've got more innings to, to eat up so you can experiment a little bit that's good news for feltner that's good news for rollison if he comes if he can get healthy ever uh that's good news for peter lambert they need to prove they can they can go six seven innings right they need to prove that they they have some durability and they can bounce back from start to start because you know, I say this to my kids all the time: the best ability is availability. You've got to be there. If you're if you if you're not available, it doesn't matter how good your stuff is. So um, there's some a lot of questions to be answered. But if you're gonna if you're the Rockies, you don't want to put somebody you've never seen or haven't seen much of in that rotation to start with. You may end up going there later because it's doubtful those five guys. Very doubtful those five guys are the same five guys you finished the year with. But at the start, you probably go with what you know. Um, you know. Time will tell, but I, I'm curious to see how Austin Gomber comes out this spring because yep. if you remember his rookie year, um, that was that his rookie year or second year that he came over? Well, here? his first year rookie here. Year. Um, he was really good for quite a bit of that season. Mm -hmm. I mean, really good. And uh, mm -hmm. it was, and and then he got hurt, and then he got he had some struggles on the mound last season. Um, what do you have in Austin Gomber? Because you know, if you really think about it, and, and you know, nobody—it's very rare. And Mark knows this, of course, because he's been there. It's very rare to have, you know, three or four guys on at the same time in the rotation, like all just clicking at the same time. I mean, if you got that, I mean, your your lights out, you're on, you're pretty much unbeatable. 
But if you think about just as a as a uh, a mental exercise or theoretical uh, exercise, the best you've seen from Mark is the best you've seen from Freeland, the best you've seen from Gomber. What do you have right there? Um, that's pretty good. And so there, the 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 that ceiling is pretty high. The question is, will you get any of those three to be what they used to be, or anything close to what they used to be? Um, and Gomber is a real question out of the three because he's the young, he's the younger one, and I, I'm I'm curious to see what he how he performs. What what Gomber has going for him is Bud Black. I mean, a left-handed former left-handed pitcher as your manager, he he speaks left-hander, he he breathes it. He can really help Gomber, and he's in Gomber's corner from all indications, right? He, nothing you hear from Bud is Gomber's a starter. We just have him in the bullpen last year because he was trying to right. get some things organized. So I kind of believe that Bud's going to spend some special time with him and kind of get that going. Listen. I have left-handed pitchers in my high school program. I don't speak left-hander. I send you go talk to him. It's a different. It's really different. And the ability to, to, to use the kind of stuff Austin Gomber has, you know, the big curveball, the high, be able to pitch it high in the zone. I think he he really can benefit from listening to Bud and Bud's tutelage. And I, I expect him to come back with a decent. You remember, all you really in a perfect scenario, all you really want from your three, four, five guys is to be five hundred, is to be you know even. Let's 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 have our plus minus be zero, right? And then you're, if your top two guys are winners, you're going to have a winning record. So that's what they're striving for. They're not looking for their three, four, five guys to be Cy Young candidates. They just want them to be solid major league pitchers that give us a chance, an equal chance to win and lose uh, every time they go out there. And then we count our horses to kind of put us over the top. Yeah, eat some innings. Don't don't mm-hmm. damage uh, the bullpen yep. uh, in, us in a that way. And, Brent, it's funny you, you mentioned that about uh, Bud Black, obviously – former pitcher, but a left-handed pitcher. Yep. Uh, that's something yep. that Brent Sooner said uh, when he first came over is that he was really excited. Uh, he's never played yep. for you know a pitcher uh, as a manager. There's not too many of those guys out there. I think there's uh, one right now. Is Bud the only one in big leagues right now, the only former pitcher? I can't think of another one. I, 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 I put it on my to-do list of, of run through the list of, of all MLB managers to see, uh, but I, I believe he would uh, he would be the only one for sure. Blatant discrimination. Uh, <laughs> bullpen options. There needs, to be, there, needs to be a, there needs to be some sort of Rooney rule. For pitchers in baseball, there you go. Manager jobs. Bullpen's going to carry eight relievers, uh, and there's pretty much six that are locked in. Daniel Bard is your closer. Denelson Lamette, Pierce Johnson will probably be the seventh and eighth. You get your lefties and Brett Suter, Lucas Gilbreth as well, assuming that his health is all right. And then Justin Lawrence seems to be a pretty solid lock there for the bullpen. So that really only leaves two spots. Uh, maybe one of them is going to be a long reliever. Jake Bird, Nick Mears are the guys on the 40-man that have some big league experience. Uh, any any surprise candidates that uh, maybe could come out and and break this opening day roster if, if you're a Blair Calvo guy or if you really like the potential and upside on a guy like Riley Pint? Uh, where, where do you see uh, the final two spots uh, in this bullpen? I mean, I, I mean, it would be really interesting because the Riley Pine story and, and, and coming back and everything, I think that would be really on that level. That'd be really intriguing to see him kind of uh, work his way back that fast. But um, I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, but what I do think about the bullpen is that you think about Pierce Johnson, you know, we had him on the podcast once and, and, and we were, well, twice and we were talking to him, but once after he became a Rocky and we were talking to him about, about pitching at Colorado and, you know, he, he expressed no, no fear or reservations whatsoever. And um, obviously everybody wants to project confidence when they come here, especially guys who grew up around here. But I, I, I get the feeling that he could be really good for this team. And then you're going to get Kinley back midseason, uh, And he was their best reliever last year outside Bard. You got Bard at the back. You know what? If they can tread water 
for half a year um, and still be somewhat somehow somewhat close to a to contention um, their bullpen could really make a difference toward the end as far as um, maybe getting them playing relevant baseball in September. And contention yep. really is 500, right? You just want to stay around 500. You're in yeah, because 500, 500 can get you in. Right. So 500 I, with I, the I, young guys, right? You don't, you don't want to be rolling out Gritchick and Chrome right. and all those right. guys in August and September, potentially those guys to be traded. But, the, right. but as you're pointing out, Manny, the bullpen might even be stronger than the rotation, which – you know, is, is, I, first. Well, I agree with that too. I think, and I'll be, I'll be shocked if Jake Bird's not on in the, in, on the bullpen, in the bullpen opening day. His Bud really right. liked him. He used him a lot last year. So it's, it'd be, it'd be an upset of sorts if Jake Bird wasn't part of this, but yeah, they have some now um, with lament and, and obviously Pierce and Lucas was on our podcast a few weeks ago. He says he's hundred percent healthy, ready to go. Gilbert so feels good. I think they'll play the lefty righty thing a little bit. I think they have some, some depth on there. My question is how they'll use it. Will they play the, the Albany to Denver shuttle again with guys like they've been doing with Justin Lawrence and guys like that, where they go down and give them a rest in Albuquerque and then they bring them up and they get hot for a while. And then when they cool off, they send them back down and they do that shuttle. Lots of teams do that. Um, it's a way to keep guys fresh, I guess. Who then if, if, you know, if Justin Lawrence needs a breather, Jade Burke needs a breather, who's down there that they can come up and, and, and do the same kind of caliber of a job to keep the, this team in ball games because you know, we, we had Wayne Hagen on our podcast this week, and we talked a lot about the way, way things used to be in 93, 95, and all that stuff. Bullpen really carried this team to their first playoff berth, 95. It was, it was, the starting pitching was just okay, but it was really the bullpen that carried them there. And that seems to be the formula for all major league teams now. It's, they're an over-reliance on the bullpen. Have my starter give me five, maybe six innings, and then I have a seventh, eighth, and ninth guy. The Rockies can come up with a seventh, eighth, and ninth guy, especially at home. Where they should win, be become close to trying to win forty-five to fifty games. Now you get an opportunity to to be hovering around five hundred, uh, in, in at least in the conversation in September. And I think that's all they could want out of this year, which is by all definition a rebuilding year, or a building year. I guess leave the the re off. It's a building year. Yeah, those the young only guys one, are- the only R word that is acceptable around right. here right. Uh, with this team is Rocktober, which we're not going to yeah. see for a while. Nope. Um, rebuild is definitely not in the in the not lexicon. Right. My bad. And, 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 you know, but, but that's really, really what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it, re, rebuild. Rebuild is a, is a spectrum is on a spectrum, right? It's not, it's not the yeah. Cubs. It's not the Astros, but when you say rebuild, what do you mean by that? You know? And, and I think in this case, this is a season to, and we've talked about this before, this is a season to see what you've got because really you don't have an identity on this team. And these young guys might create one. You're hoping they do. You know, Tovar is going to be exciting to watch. He's probably going to be the starting shortstop coming out of camp. Uh, that's already expected unless he absolutely just, you know, just is really bad. But um, so there's that. And then you've got, you know, you're looking at Tolia and you're looking at Veen coming up sometime. And it's like, are these guys going to create or give us an identity after what the identity that we have completely crumbled when Nolan Aradona walked out the door? That's right. I, I think the young relievers are going to be interesting to keep an eye on because they're going to be the ones if if they are relevant in 25, 26, going to the postseason. Yep. These young guys, you know, Gavin Hollowell, even Stephen yep. Jones, who is an on roster invite, even though he's uh, on, he's not on the 40 man roster. Those are going to be the guys that you're going to see when the games are relevant. And I think in the literal and figurative definition of rebuild is admitting that you don't currently have the materials that you need. And yes. the Rockies don't have That's those materials 
right now. Uh, they've, they've, they maybe put a down payment on some of them, so they're on their way, uh, but they don't quite have them just yet. So uh, I, it would be fair to say. Well, I mean, spectrum, they, they went through a seismic shift where you have um, Nolan Arnado, Trevor Story, and DJ LeMahieu in, in your inf on your infield. You've got two amazing starters at the top of your rotation in Marquez and Freeland. You've got Charlie Blackman closer to his prime back then. You had an identity. You were there. You had a window. You had an identity. And then all of that came crashing down. And then there was this vacuum, which we're currently in, where you don't know what you are. And then now you have these, I think the one positive thing the Rockies have going for them is they're not trying to, in past years, I think they were, they were more overtly trying to be, in my opinion, it was misplaced, but they thought they were good enough to, to win, to, to get, to, to compete. To contend, to get yeah. the postseason. And now they won't say that quiet part out loud, but I think there's more of an understanding that we're not and that we, but we can be if we, if the right young pieces um, play well and, and produce, and then around that young core, we can start building for the next window of contention. And then we'll have an actual identity for this team. Cause when you look at the Rockies, what do you see? You see meh, right? You see blah, you don't see anything. And the hope is for them, I think in the next, by 2025, that there's something that you can say is a, is a concrete identity there. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the hope. That's what we're going to be uh, watching this entire season long. Go, go ahead and plug away guys. You've already uh, alluded to the podcast a couple of times. We'll let folks know where they can find it at uh, Mark. I know you're doing, doing other things you're writing as well, doing a great job with that. So uh, Mark, you're you're up first since Manny okay. got introduced. Well, first. yeah, I mean the Park Dozen Rockies podcast is on the Believe Network. It's audio only, so you don't have to look at our faces anymore. Um, maybe when we get when we grow up, when we grow up, we want to be you, you guys are. We want to be video someday, but we're just not, not quite there yet. But um, yeah, Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. I'm on MileHighSports.com and I'm on uh, WoodyPage.com. So anytime anybody wants to check out, and it's not all just baseball. I can't keep my opinions to myself about everything else. And That's Manny, of sure. course, Manny's getting Manny's getting ready to start a football uh, podcast of his own. So <laughs> that is categorically that untrue, first yeah, of all. <laughs> and then secondly, um, yeah, Mark Mark can't keep his opinions to himself. So yeah, no, check can't. out what he has to say. And uh, so for me, yeah, Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, where I mean, wherever you get your podcast, you can you can pick it up there on the Believe Network, and then um, MLB.com. Just um, just. You know, go to the homepage every once in a while. You see something there from me. So. Manny, how's the book doing? It's doing fine. I mean, it, the book. I mean, it's it's past that wave, right? Because that yep. was what three years ago now. Yeah, can't believe it's been that long. But um, yeah, kind of past that wave. I mean, we might we might kind of bring it back to prominence this year if we can, because it's the 30th anniversary of the team, and they might have some people back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we appreciate everybody who's who's bought and read uh, the Blake Street Bombers, and uh, it, you know, they're yeah. they're. Um, uh, they're still, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday that every time I can't name, I can't tell you one de single game that I've been to that I don't see Walker and Bichette and Galarraga jerseys, uh, Amy Castilla jerseys, and sometimes even Burke's jerseys out there in the in the ballpark. They're still loved around here. And I think it's time for you to get on the Todd Helton book. Start. Oh, yeah, come on. Todd Helton book. You beat me to no, it. I'm done. I'm done. The for Tau the, for the time of Todd. Being. There you go. That's the title. Yeah. The Tau of Todd. You know what? Todd Helton is going to get in the Hall of Fame next year. He doesn't need a book. It's true. He can write his own book later. There you go. Co-written by 
Patrick Lyons. Oh, sorry, man. There you go. Snoozed. I like that idea. I jumped in on there that one there for you. Uh, we're there jumping you in on all the Rockies action on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at on Twitter. Gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. It's been momentous, but since it's a baseball show, unfortunately, you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Let's all go to Arizona.